uh, during this morning service. And so uh, just keep that in mind uh, towards the end. If you do have to, if it gets a little late, you do have to go. We understand, but um, uh, I do want you to be a part of this this morning. It's a little different, all right? And so um, as well, this evening we'll be having um, Bible study. And then tonight, while Bible, adult Bible study is going on, the kids club workers are going to be having a final meeting um, in the gym to kind of finish some preparation, some things like that. So if you're a worker, we'd love to have you for that. If you can make it, if you can't, just let me know. Um, next week, May the 8th, is Mother's Day. So we'll be having regular service as far as that goes in the morning, but there will be no evening service. Uh, spend some time with your mom, spend some time with family. Um, and then on May the 15th, our Answers Kids Club will kick off um, that evening. And so every Sunday night from May the 15th onward, will be our kids club in the gym and in these classrooms down this hall. So while that's going on, I've had the question asked, are we still having Bible study? The answer is yes, it's just I'm not doing it. Um, you guys get the special treat of uh, Brother Rick Jones, and he's getting ready to be starting a series through the book of Galatians, and so it's going to be good, and I'm going to try to see if I can pop in for it too or so. But, um, but I encourage you to come, and Lord willing, here's what we're praying for. We're praying for kids and families that we can minister to, we're praying for more adult classes to pop up as well. We're praying that we can be a place that does exactly what we've said that we want to do and desire for God to do here, and that's that we worship the Lord, we are disciples who make disciples, we have fellowship together, and we outreach to our community. And I believe that this is going to be the catalyst for it. So be praying for this, be a part of this, and um, be praying as well for those who are going to be serving. And just as well, a little note, on May the 19th from 11 to 5, there will be... Um, a blood drive here. The Red Cross will be in the back um, taking donations. Um, so um, that's all I got. Um, but let's go ahead and let's worship the Lord this morning. I want to open us up in prayer and let's sing to the Lord and uh, let's enjoy this day that God has given to us. God, we come to you this morning grateful that we can gather, we can worship you, we can praise your name. Uh, Lord, you are, are worthy of every song that we could ever sing, every word that we could ever say about your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, I pray that today that you would help us to proclaim the truth of your word as, as a preach. Lord, as, as a preach, I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would be upon myself and upon this place, that we would have your presence here with us, Lord, that we would glorify you and honor you, that we would experience a, a sweet unity and fellowship with one another. And Lord, as we prepare our hearts as well, Lord, as we sing and as we hear your word preached, as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, I pray, God, that we would confess sin, that we would be drawn together and experience you know, the grace that is found in knowing you and remembering your work for us on, on Calvary, but as well as looking forward to the day that you come and call us home. God, I pray that you would keep your hands upon the service today, guide and direct us, help us to be obedient to you. And Lord, I pray that you would protect us spiritually today, God, protect us from, from our own flesh, and protect us from the evil one who would do us harm. And God, that we would be united together and watch you accomplish great things today and be glorified. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, and blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. If you're able, please stand. I moved that thing. It won't move back. Now we got it. Uh, hymn number 174, I will bless thee, O Lord. Psalmist says in 63.4, Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. And that's got that verse in there with my hands lifted up, so... If you want to do what the Bible says, I suggest you raise your hands right about then. All right. Praise the Lord. Good to be in the Lord's house. I will bless thee, O Lord. 
receive honor and glory and power. That's in Revelation 4.11. Of course, that's talking about our Lord Jesus Christ. Worthy of worship, hymn number 153. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. 
it is the gift of God. And uh, that, that'll be our scripture. It goes with our next song, Wonderful Grace of Jesus, hymn number 338. Love singing about the grace of the Lord. Without that, we wouldn't be here. Amen. Wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. How shall my tongue describe it? Where shall its praise begin? Taking away my burden, setting my spirit free for the grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea, higher than the mountain, sparkling like a fountain, all sufficient grace for even me, broader than the scope of my transgressions, greater far than all my sin and shame, oh magnify the Grace 
for even me. Broader than the scope of my transgressions, greater far than all my sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus. Praise His name. Amen. Praise be to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, don't sit down yet. Turn around, speak, wave, smile, holler. Stomp your feet, clap your hands. Welcome, everybody, to Victory Way Baptist Church services here today. All right, we have a very special treat now. There you are. It's my stuff out of your way. By Miss Ann Stone. stretch out my arms. No one put nails in my hands. I'll never feel the weight of the world or carry that cross on my back. I know there's nothing Oh, no. 
Appreciate that. After we got the horse and buggy teamed up, that thing took off pretty good, didn't it? Amen. We appreciate that, Sister Ann. What a blessing that song was to me. Amen. He paid my price. I tell you what, I, don't, I sure couldn't pay it. So thank you, Jesus. Join with me in a sincere word of prayer and uh, praise our God in prayer here today and also ask for his continued leading and guiding in the remainder of the service today. Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this beautiful day you've given us. Even though, Lord, they're forecasting rain later in the day and maybe even some storms, we praise you for that too. Because, Lord, we got to have rain, not all sunshine. And we praise you for that. Thank you for the privilege and the honor and the opportunity to be here in your house today to lift up your name, Lord, in song and in preaching, in word. We ask, Lord, you just help the rest of the remainder of this service and, Lord, help us to lift up the name of Jesus and edify and glorify you in everything said and done here today. We pray, Lord, for your blessings on Pastor Joe's message that you have given him, and we ask, Lord, you'd give him liberty and boldness and power from, on, from you, Lord, from the Holy Spirit of God. And give him, uh, Lord, clear speech and clear thoughts and uh, uh, let, help him, Lord, to convey your message you've given him for your people here today. And help us to take heed to the warnings that might be in the message, to the encouragement that could be there. And, Lord, for conviction of sin that might show us, Lord, where we need to change our ways. And, and we'll give you all the praise and honor and glory for everything. Lord, accomplish here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, please stand for our final song. Uh, count your blessings, hymn number 786. Ephesians 1.3 tells us, God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That's where it comes from, in Jesus Christ. Count your blessings. Many to count by me and I'm sure you too. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed When you are discouraged thinking all is lost Count your many blessings, name them one by one And it will surprise you what the Lord hath done Count your blessings, name them one by one Count your blessings, see what God hath done Count your blessings, name them one by one Count your many blessings, see what God hath done So amid the conflict, whether great or small do not be discouraged, God is over all. Count your many blessings, angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. 
you be seated. And now join with me as we give our pastor a nice welcome. We love our pastor and we appreciate him. And come on and preach to us, brother. Good morning again. All right, there we go. Oh, quiet out there. It's too early to be quiet yet. All right. Take your Bible and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Anytime that we come to the house of God to worship, I want you to know we ought to come prepared, shouldn't we? And that doesn't just mean by the way putting on some clothes that don't stink or not, you know, changing your dirty clothes, something... Right? That stuff's just, it's optional, right? How many of you brushed your teeth this morning? All right. And the rest of you just went along with it. The rest, if we're real honest, half of us probably didn't brush our teeth, didn't wear deodorant, but we're here and praise God, right? There's much more to preparing for church than putting on clothes. There's much more to church than putting on a, a smiling face and pretending like we're all right on, on the inside, all right? There's much more. I believe that we, before we ever come to church, let alone the Lord's Supper, we should have our hearts prepared. Because whether we're having the Lord's Supper, whether we're having special singing, revival meetings, homecomings, jubilees, whether how much we jubile or don't jubile, we ought to come prepared to worship God. We are coming to a place that is separated and sacred from the world where the people of God meet with God and He meets with us. And we could offer up simply our hearts in worship and, and and praise, and we gather together and have fellowship, not just with the Lord, but with one another. We don't just come because God wants us to come, and we don't just come for Him, but we also come to encourage one another, by the way. And we come as well to the Lord's Supper as we're coming to today. Like with church, and like with life, there's expectations with some things. So we're going to look today at the expectations of the Lord's Supper. Sadly, Many today don't have any sort of expectation except for how can I get out of it? What excuse can I do to not partake or do it or be there for it? There's many today who do it so little that they think little of it. There's some today who do it so much that they also think too little of it. Sadly, the same is not just said about the Lord's Supper, but with church itself, let alone with what should be a daily walk with Christ. Being a Christian is much more than coming to church. And it's much more than coming to church on the day that we're taking the Lord's Supper. To be a Christian is to have repented of sin and trusted in Jesus alone for salvation. To be born again into the family of God by the same grace of God that we've just sung about, that we've talked about. And as we come to the Lord's table today, I want you to know that same grace is still offered. That same grace is still there. Now, we like some hard preaching sometimes, and maybe you don't, maybe I just do, I don't know. But we like sometimes because we need to feel that sort of oomph and stepped on a little bit. Sometimes we need that conviction, and that's, by the way, not the job of the pastor, it's the job of the Holy Spirit. Right? I, I, can, I can make you feel all sorts of ways emotionally, but that just makes me a con artist. Right? I'm, I'm not one of those. I want to follow and trust the Spirit, and I want the Spirit to do what only He can do through the power of His Word. And I don't want to make you at the point where you feel guilty to come to church, let alone feel guilty to even sit here during the Lord's Supper. But I want us to understand what God has to say about it and the importance of it in this passage. I want you to pray for me um, as I...
preached this message. It's the first time I've preached this passage in full, especially the Lord's Supper. But I will read today 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17 to 34. We've got four points. We'll pray, and, and then we're going to prepare ourselves for the Lord's Supper after I preach. The Bible tells us, <coughs> verse number 17, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you. And I partly believe it. For there must also, for there be, must, uh, be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be manifest among you. When ye come together therefore into one place, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What, have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He brake it and said, Take, eat. This is My body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of Me. After the same manner also He took the cup, and when He had supped, saying, This cup is a New Testament in My blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of Me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till He come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, and we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry for one another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that he come not together unto condemnation. The rest will I sit in order when I come. Let us pray. Father, we come to You this morning. Thank You for the worship that has been lifted, for the songs sung, for the truth that has been presented in each. God, I thank You for this opportunity now and for the reading of Your Word. And God, I pray that You would clear my heart and my mind, allow me to have the, the liberty to, to preach Your Word boldly and accurately according to it. God, that You would fill me with the Spirit. And Lord, that You would give us a spirit of unity in this place. And God, that You would prepare our hearts, Lord, for the Lord's Supper. God, give us understanding now. Lord, give us what is needed, whether it's conviction or encouragement. God, I pray that you would accomplish what you set forth and today that our hearts would be humbled and would be open to you. We love you and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all, I want to look at the expectation of the Lord's Supper. There's a few things we're going to look at today. First of all, that is as we come to the Lord's table, that there should be unity and not unattachment. What I mean by that is we look here at verse 17 to 19 and we see this. There is unity, not unattachment. Now, we're all in one place this morning, but are we all together? We're all about to partake of the Lord's Supper, but are we all together? We have sung together, but have we sung together? We're hearing the preaching of God's Word together, but are we hearing it together? This is the issue of what Paul was dealing with. And by the way, as he's writing 
to the church at Corinth, he's writing to a church that was full of problems and issues. I'm talking about some serious ones, right? I, I'm some, some serious, deep sins and issues that were in that church. And as he comes to this, he's addressing another one. There were divisions, disunity, as we see here. But first of all, I want to look at verse 17. This phrase, now in this last, I declare to you, I praise you not. Well, that's so rough when, when Paul here is writing to them and he says, I ain't, I ain't say nothing good about you right now. As a matter of fact, even Jesus did the same to seven churches. In the book of Revelation, he says, I've got some stuff against you, right? He, he talks about there's some things against the church, and we often forget this. We need some correcting every now and again. And the Lord corrects His people not because He's mean or hateful, but because He loves His children. And any good father is going to correct his children. And he doesn't do it in overabundance, but rather by his grace, he corrects us and judges us to not cast us away, but rather to draw us back into fellowship with himself. Now, the reason why you and I gathered today is to have fellowship, certainly with each other and those around you, right? Smile at each other, act like you like each other. You ought to do that, right? Amen. But to have fellowship with God. And the reason why we gather for the Lord's Supper is for the same reason, to have fellowship with the Lord in remembrance of what He has done for us and a reminder of what He's going to do, that He's coming again. And praise the Lord for that gift because this is a gift that we get to come together. The, the phrase that you come together, when you come together, when you come together, come together, and ye come not together, about five times about coming together. Why? Because when you are by yourself, you are an individual believer. You don't have church by yourself. We don't have such thing as, as your own individual little church, right? I've heard a lot of folks. I believe that families ought to have times of worship together, but not worship the family. They ought to be together. But guess what? Families need to be in church. That does not mean a, necessarily just a building, but you know what this building is? It's a building. It becomes the church when the church is in it. It becomes a church when the church is gathered, when we come together. Right at about 7 o'clock this morning, there wasn't a soul in here. You know what it was? It was preparing for the church to gather. And now it's church. And by the way, we don't just do church, act like church, or be churchy, because what we really need is Christianity. We need Bible Christianity. We don't need churchianity anymore. We've got plenty of it here in our culture and here in the South. There's plenty of people who can identify with church, but they cannot identify with Christ. Identifying with church will not get you to heaven, but identifying with Christ, and by the way, the only real identification with Christ is through His death, burial, and His resurrection, through the power of the gospel, that any man can be saved. Now, as we look at this, the, the church is the church gathered together here. It is the word that means to come together or assemble together. And this is a calling to come, but as well, it is a privilege. The past couple of years, I hope, showed you that. That it is a command for the church of God to gather, but that it is a privilege. And when those that come against our privilege, even more so our right to gather together as a church, we should have some issues with that. We need each other. The church needs people, but people need the church. And we've got to understand in these last days that we're living in, and you say, well, we've been hearing about last days for a long time. Yeah, well, that's because we've been in the last days for a long time. 
the moment that the Lord ascends, we're in the last days. The, the apostles and the early church firmly believed that Christ was were going to come any time. And yet somewhere along the line, we've lost that sort of urgency and fervor in our evangelism and our gathering together. We, we hear country songs to live like you were dying, and yet as a Christian, you and I won't only act like a Christian and understand that we literally could be in our last day on earth, let alone in the last days until Christ comes. We should have some urgency and some excitement when we gather together because it is a command, but it is a privilege to do so. And the church is not only to be united under the same roof, but united under the same reason. Sadly, there are many who are in a church building today who are, one, not even born again. They have no understanding, no real idea about who Christ is. So, one, they might be in a church building, but they're not a part of the church. And there's a difference. There's countless many people who are church members and yet are not a member of the church. They've got their name on a roll. They've got their name on a list. They've signed a card, maybe even walked an aisle, but they've never been born again. To be a part of the church, the body of Christ, means that you are in Him and He is in you. That's what we're talking about today. And that's what we need. When we gather together, we have to understand that now we are the body of Christ and that the church and the body of Christ is not even about what we want, what we think. It is about Jesus and only Him. This belongs to Him. The building itself belongs to Him. You, as individual believers, belong to Christ. The money in the bank is not yours. It's Christ's. As we talked about the lights in the pavilion, they're His. Everything that we see belongs to Jesus. And when we understand that He is central, He is the foundation, He is the purpose, and He is the goal of the church, churches will be a whole lot stronger. And they'll be a whole lot more united. Philippians chapter 2 tells us a little bit about this. There be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Notice he does not say that you have to think and do everything like robots and think and act exactly the same, wear the same clothes, right? Like, all right, y'all, next Sunday, everybody's got to wear navy blue. No, <laughs> right? Some of y'all are going, i got to go dress shopping now, right? No, we're not talking about the outward, are we? We're talking about having a like mind and it's to be the mind of Christ. It must be that Christ is the focus. That the Spirit gives us the fellowship. That He is the common denominator. And He says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. When we come together, we ought to come together for the same reason, because we are serving the same Lord Jesus Christ. It is ceases to be about what you think, what I think even. It is what He has said, what He has determined. And this is why we gather around the Bible, around the Scripture, the Word of God. This is why we focus our songs and our attention on Jesus because that is where our unity, our fellowship lies. Outside of that, we've got all sorts of differences of opinions. We've got some people in here today that aren't right with the Lord and they root for the Dallas Cowboys or the 
North Carolina Tar Heels and we're praying for them. I've got no fellowship with them outside of that. But in Christ, amen. <laughs> Think about this though. Our fellowship is deep and it should be deep. And yet many times we come to church and we have little to no fellowship with the Lord because we refuse to really sing. We are, our minds are absent during the message and we give warm handshakes and a fake smile and we're out the door. And I'll have you know there's many who will come to church and not have a drop of fellowship or a drop of worship in their body. We need something that is real. Paul says to them, he says, first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that they be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. And you go back to verse 17, he says that when you come together, you come together not for the better, but for the worse. That's a problem when a church gathers together and it's not accomplishing diddly. Now, I'm not talking about accomplishing stuff that you and I can measure or you and I can say we had X amount of hands raised or X amount of this and that and this ministry, that ministry. We had 48 buses. These are great things to have. We want to see God use us. But guess what? The measurable is not found in us, but rather for the better is in Christ. And they were coming together, but not coming together in Christ. They were, if you will, like today, to kind of help us out a little bit, they were coming to church, but for the wrong reasons. They were coming to church and having the bickering and having a lack of fellowship or no fellowship at all. They were coming together and fighting each other and fighting their own wars and trying to build their own kingdoms instead of building the kingdom of God. This was the issue that they faced, and it's the issue that we face today. They're gathering, but not in unity. They are together, but not together. We see the difference, I hope. You can be in Walmart and be together with a whole lot of people and still not be together. But when you come to church, this should be different because it is different. And by the way, not just for the Lord's Supper today, but the gathering of the church itself is not for lost souls. It's for saved people. It's for, it's for sheep. It's not for goats. It's not to entertain the world. It's not to make the world happy. And as a matter of fact, it's been said before that if you want to grow a church, canvas your neighborhood and ask them what they'd love to see. And then do the opposite. If you want to please God. We can swell with a lot of excitement, but we need to grow in the grace knowledge that is in Christ. We need to grow in unity. And to grow together in doctrine and understanding. Grow together in the fellowship of the Spirit. And when we gather together as the body, and when we gather together for the Lord's Supper, it is for believers. And if you are here today, and you look and you go, well, I don't know about that. And you've watched and you've heard the songs. You've heard about the grace. I want you to know, that grace is being offered to you today to repent of your sins and to trust in Jesus alone and be saved. So that then you become a part of the church, the body of Christ, and you can partake of the Lord's Supper. To see the grace that is all around us. And yet, sadly, not just lost people miss it, but many in the church today have missed the grace that is found in gathering together and partaking of the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 10, Paul is writing about this. He says at the very opening of his letter to them, he says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, 
but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And then we get to chapter 11. He says, I can't praise you because you gather together and it's not for the better. And there's divisions among you. Here's the divisions. They had economic classes that had been clashing. Positions of power or lack thereof fighting against one another. The haves and the have-nots. The super spiritual and not so spiritual. The the babes versus the, the ones who are matured. And yet the ones that were matured weren't acting so mature. Well, we've never heard of that in our churches, have we? The most sanctified acting the least sanctified. Furthermore, they've got personal preferences and ideas and theologies and little kingdoms that had caused divisions and rifts in the church so that when they were coming together, they were not together and there was no unity. And they had then become unattached from each other. It is a dangerous thing when a believer unattaches themselves from God's Word and when they unattach themselves from the church. You are not meant to be an island or a lone wolf or the lone ranger. Even the Lone Ranger had, had the sidekick. I mean, he ain't all the way alone. You and I need each other. You can have unity with yourself, but all that is is an echo chamber of what you want to hear. You need each other for fellowship, accountability, encouragement, for strength. And they had unattached themselves from one another in the unity that is found in Christ. And then he says, and there also be heresies among you. Now this word heresy has the semantic range of understanding that it's everything from false doctrines all the way uh, to those who just had these strong-willed opinions that they held that this is gospel. Whether they were right or wrong or somewhere in between, they believed this is my stand. And I might, it might not be there, but I, this is my stand. And if you don't hold this stand, then you're wrong. That's a dangerous game to play. All that I've got to stand on, dear friend, is this. That's it. Outside of that, I got nothing. I ain't got a leg to stand on. I ain't got a rock to stand on. This is it. This is our foundation. This is what it keeps us built up. This is also what brings us together. Divisions had come from their personal thought and not their truth of God. And, and now we come here. And I ask ourselves before we move on to the next point here, the next passage here, are you really here when you're here? Or have you unattached yourself from church that you come because you're supposed to, because you always have, because you've been a member for umpteen different years, but when you're here, you're not really here? I want you to know, when you're here, but you're not here, you're not helping yourself. You're not helping the church. You're doing a disservice to your own walk with Christ. And you're doing a disservice to the body of Christ. We need you here not for nickels and noses. God takes care of His church. We want you here because we need you and you need us. We need each other. And when we understand this, that you can go to Walmart because you've got to pick up milk, and you can be unattached from everything else. And it's hard to do in Walmart. I get that. But you can go in and get out. When it comes to church, the church and church service, let alone the Lord's Supper, is not meant to get in and get out. God, when His people gather around the Word, is not offering some fast food hot garbage McDouble for a dollar. He's offering a banquet of fresh bread for His people to feast and living water to quench our thirst. 
Do you want to attach yourself from church? If you do, right now you already know because right now you're going on the outside. I've got to make sure that nobody thinks that. I've got to sit up a little straighter, hold up a little bit more. And I want you to know we don't need, we don't need that. We want you to be you. We want you to be you for Christ. For His name and for His glory's sake, to gather together in unity, not unattachment. The second issue is this. In verses 20 to 22, we find that they were gathering and they should be, and as we gather for the Lord's Supper this morning, it should be selfless, not selfish. Here's what happened. Verse 20 to 22. When ye come together, notice that phrase again, Therefore into one place is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in eating every one taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, another is drunken. What, have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. The historical issue that Paul is dealing with during this day is that when they had the Lord's Supper, and when they gathered together, they pretty much, I mean, they were the original Baptists. They meet to eat, right? I don't, think, I don't know that they had fried chicken and coleslaw, but they met and they ate together. They fellowshiped together. And you know this. You can get to know somebody a little bit by seeing them on sunny mornings and shaking a hand or waving when we wave. And praise God, we have that. But you get to know somebody real good if you eat with them. Right? You watch the way that they pick up their fork. You see the way that they use a napkin or don't use said napkin. Right? You learn a lot about them. The way they chew, the way they talk. There's fellowship there in breaking of bread. And this is what they did. I think with a church today could use some more of it. And I thank God that we met this past Friday night. It's tickled pink. Uh, we, we had a great time. And there's nothing like when the saints gather together for fellowship and worship. There's no better place to be on God's green earth than with God's people. No better place. And so they're having these fellowship meals when they gather together, and especially when they would be partaking of the Lord's Supper. They would eat And they would then linger together, not just to help put away tables and chairs, but to have fellowship with each other, to talk and to know one another, and to pray with one another. They were in no rush and no hurry for the Lord's table, for their meals, let alone for a church service. Meanwhile, right now, half of us have just done that, right? We haven't even done the Lord's Supper yet. What we see, Paul even says to them, when you gather together, it's not for the Lord's Supper. It's because they had taken what was meant to be it, what was meant to be brought under unity and fellowship together, and they had changed it to where what they were even doing, though they were going through the motions of said Lord's Supper, it was not God-honoring. Here's why. They exchanged the grace and goodness of partaking of the table for their selfish desires and divisions. Now instead of gathering together in one body but with one mind for one goal and one purpose and partaking together in fellowship, now they're gathering together but they're not together so they're full of disunity and they've got divisions amongst themselves. And here's what was happening. You've got some rich believers, the haves. These are the ones, these rich believers during the time they, they says that they arrive early. They arrive early and they partake and they arrive early, one, because they've got a little less work to do because they've got people to do it for them. And so they've got a little less responsibility in that case, so they show up early 
and they eat and drink in abundance, and some are even becoming gluttonous or even drunken. He says, if you're, if you're hungry, that hungry, eat at your own house. Because what he's doing is in the process, you've got these selfish believers who are filling themselves up with all the food and drink that's there without ever sharing the love of Christ with their poor brethren who had little. The great thing, and us Baptists, we love a potluck. You know why? One of the greatest reasons why I love a potluck? It's because it seems as if, and you guys know this, y'all have been more potlucks than I have, right? When you have a potluck, what happens? No matter what the church provides or does not provide, it seems to be that there's always enough food, enough for people to take home, and enough for shut-ins. Whether we brought three chicken legs or not, it's like it's just there. And everybody is content and, and, and joyful and filled. And everybody walks out doing the same thing, going, I ate too much. Oh, that's good. Oh, so-and-so's stuff was so good. Praise the Lord for that. But the issue that they were having is that they were having some show up early and eating everything, and it turned into an all-you-can-eat for some versus an all-you-can-get for others. Hardly anything left in these poor believers who arrived later because they have more responsibility, they're have more work to do, especially those who are the underclass of slaves or servants to other people, they were left without, with little food and then segregated to even have fellowship within themselves. So now you've got the classes of people in a church, supposed to be one church, but now you've got the haves who are having a merry old time eating and drinking. And then you've got the ones who are poor and they show up later and they're stuck with less food and stuck off in the corner together. I want you to know, while there are different people and different walks of life that you might attach yourself to in the church, there should not be a thing of, oh, no, no, they sit over there. We sit over here. This isn't a high school cafeteria. This is the house of God. We're not separating ourselves between the jocks and the rich kids and the, the, the country kids and the this kid and the that kid. No. Are you in Christ? Come on in. That's what we're talking about here. And so we need this unity, and this is what he's dealing with. Because the church had then become about me and not we. And certainly the church for them had not even begun to be about him. It must be about him. It must be about us. Long before we get to start saying what we want, what we desire. I want it my way like it's Burger King. The church is not Burger King. You don't have it your way, and it's not Walmart where you can go, and if they don't have it there, you can go down the road to another Walmart. In Christ. I ask you, are you serving as a selfless church member? Or are you a selfish church member? You'd say, well, of course I'm not. There would be no one in here this morning that would say I'm a selfish church member. And yet many of us become a selfish church member when we aren't coming, aren't praying, aren't prepared. We're choosing to avoid fellowship, choosing to avoid the Lord's Supper, choosing to avoid the extracurriculars, choosing to avoid the responsibility. And we like being a church member in church member name only. Sam's Club will let anybody come in. But not everybody gets to check out unless you got that Sam's card. You ever thought about that? Anybody can come in. But to be a member means you get a few extra perks, right? You might get some 
some dollars off. You might actually get to check out and buy some things, but you've got to have that membership card. And sadly, many of us look at our church membership card as a get-into-heaven card, and it ain't the same. We look at it as a church member card as that just means I get to go in and I walk out. I don't have to see, talk to anybody. I can take the things that I want and I can go. Church is not about what we get out, what we put in. We should never be asking ourselves, what can I get? Thirdly, verses 23 to 25, we find that the expectation of the Lord's Supper is that it's relational. It's not reclusive. You, as a human being, were designed to have relationship, first of all, with God, and then with man, with God's creation, with God's people. Now, as we look at this, verse number 23 tells us, <coughs> For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. <coughs> this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament, and my blood, this do ye, as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. First of all, the vertical relationship. The vertical relationship needs to be addressed here that we are called in this passage that we, we partake of the Lord's Supper, and when we gather together as the body of Christ to remember and reflect on the work of Jesus, His death, burial, and His resurrection. Reflecting on such should not just be at the Lord's table, though. Nor should it just be when we come to church, but there should not be a day that goes by that you don't think about what Jesus has done for you. I would be certainly afraid for the, the one who claims to know Christ and yet goes a day without thinking or thanking Him. Christ should ever be upon our minds and upon our hearts because He's the very reason why that we have forgiveness and eternal life, let alone the very breath in our lungs now. And it is by His grace that we're saved, but it's by His grace that we're even alive in this moment. Do not abuse that grace or forget or forsake it. Here to remember this, the goal, Philippians 2 tells us then, continuing that same passage, verse number 6, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, so that you didn't have to. As Miss Anne sang so beautifully, he did that, I didn't have to. He took my place. Wherefore God did also, uh, also hath highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Lord's Supper is meant for reflection, remembrance, but it's meant for worship. It's meant to glorify God for what He has done and what He is going to do. For who He is and for who He shall ever be. This is what it's for. It reminds us, as we see here in this passage, and as we'll read again, when we do partake of the elements, we see the body and the blood of Jesus, His body broken for us, and His blood shed to cover our sins. Not the blood of, of other lambs and rams and sheep and goats, but rather the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is what we need. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
we find Jesus' substitutionary and satisfactory sacrifice for our sins. Not only that He took my place as my substitute, but that it is sufficient, paid in full, forever and forever and forever. Amen and end of discussion. We partake of this and it's meant to glorify Him as our hearts are pointed upward. But then, in the Lord's Supper, it is relational to one another. As we partake of the Lord's Supper, we point each other to the Gospel. We are each reminded individually and corporately, look at what Jesus has done for us to purchase us by His blood. To bring together under one body the church of God. And as we partake, we encourage each other to continue in the unity of faith. The reason why I need you and you need me and we need each other is because we actually do need each other to encourage one another. Keep running. Keep running. Keep going. Stay faithful. Stay in the fight. And know that you're not running alone. And you're not fighting alone. Nor are we to run from each other or to fight one another, but rather to come together of what we have seen here in this passage in the Gospel of Christ. And that's what this opportunity for the Lord's Supper does, is it should bring us together in fellowship with God vertically first and then horizontally with fellow believers to be reminded that we are a part of something far greater, far bigger, far more beautiful than just our individual lives, but a part of the church of God, the bride of Christ, and that one day He's coming back to get His bride. And we shall ever be with the Lord. But as we partake, we draw together in this united fellowship with the church. And what they did in their day is that they lingered together after the meals and they fellowshiped together. And they did not avoid every excuse to get out of church, let alone fellowship, or even the Lord's Supper itself. In the early church, they found reasons to get together. And now, we find reasons to not get together. And brethren, it ought not be so. And by the way, our fellowship is not dependent upon whether or not Pastor Joe sticks a fifth Friday Family Fun Fling Ding in the bulletin. Ain't half of us can say it anyways. Fellowship happens even outside of this church. It happens when you say, hey, i got to go and run this errand. You want to go? i got to change the oil in my car. You want it? It, it happens day by day. Calling and checking and living life with one another. Staying actually in fellowship with one another. But guess what? I don't have to pray for nobody if I don't know nobody. I don't have any burdens to carry for anybody else if I don't talk to anybody and figure out if they got any problems or issues to pray for. And we like church. But we don't want the responsibility of what it truly means to be a member. We like going, but I don't want to have to worry about actually following up with somebody and you know, after they ask me to pray for something, I don't want to have to have the obligation of actually having to pray, let alone see, hey, did God answer that prayer? But boy, there's an awful lot more fellowship in that, isn't it? You see, many of us mistake what church membership is. We mistake the Lord's Supper. We mistake our whole Christian walk, if there is one at all. Church membership is growing in relationship to God and to His people together. I want to ask you, are you intentionally seeking 
the relationship with the Lord to grow in grace and knowledge? Or are you wanting to be so reclusive that me and God got our own thing going on? I want you to know if you say you and God got your own thing going on, no, you don't. God designed the church for a reason because that is His program today to gather His people together, to minister together, to draw each other to the Scripture. You and God don't have you and your own thing going on. What, what really you got going on is you have an idol and it's called yourself. And sadly, many of us would rather stay so far away from anybody else. We'd rather recluse up. But then, many of us that recluse ourselves from the church and we separate ourselves from the church, we get all upset. Nobody called me when I was sick. We ain't been here in six months. Nobody checked on me. You ain't checked on us. You checked out on God. Checked out on His people. Checked out on the church. Sadly, we get upset. But I can't be upset if I'm not plugged in. We need each other for that reason. So that we, when those problems in life do come up, that you're not alone, let alone thinking that you're alone because certainly God is with you. But guess what? His design is that we would be there with you, but we can't be with you if you're not with us. One of the great things as we come to the Lord's Supper is that we're reminded is that we are not alone. Christ died for me and He died for my brother and my sister over there. And because of my brother and my sister, I should know them and they should know me. Furthermore, and lastly, verse 26 to 34, expectation of the Lord's Supper is that it should be worshipful and not wasteful. Now that doesn't mean that you're wasting <clears throat> a cracker and a little bit of juice. What this means idea of wasteful is that we should not waste this opportunity. We should not waste the time gathered together as the saints of God. We should not waste our Christian walk, waste our Christian experience, waste this time that God has given to us to draw near to Him, and draw near to each other. It is a worshipful act. It is not to be done grudgingly, but it is to be done glorifying. Today I would much rather you not partake if you're just going to go through the motions. And so would God, by the way. You would, you would do yourself a whole lot better if before you came to church and you pull up in that parking lot and you got a sorry attitude, which we do sometimes, and I do it too, by the way, so don't feel so bad, that we'd go ahead and sit in our car for a couple minutes and get our hearts right before we come in this place. It's to be worshipful. He says, as often as you eat it, meaning you ought to be eaten and drinking of it. Take, eat. It's literally reminding us of what Jesus did on that night when He gave to His disciples and He said, take, eat. It was not an option. They could say, well, Lord, I'm, I'm full. No, the idea was you must partake. It is a command of Scripture the same as it is for believers' baptism, to partake of the Lord's Supper. But it is well to partake rightly of both. To not be baptized if one is lost and to not partake of the Lord's Supper if one is lost. But in doing both, the idea is that we are outwardly showing what Christ has done for us. We are identifying in both the Lord's Supper and with baptism with His death, burial, and His resurrection that we have a newness of life because of His precious blood shed for us. 
The Lord's Supper is a mandate of our worship and fellowship with God. Now, He does not mandate how often we ought to do it, but He says you ought to do it. And sadly, sadly, we either put so much stress on the how often or the when and the what and the where and what service we put it in and what time in the service we put it in and all these things because we're so focused on our time and not God's time because most of us have, ref- have, have not even surrendered a full church service to God all the way because we're still planning for what's after it. I want God to have every bit of me and not just when I come to church but when I leave this place as He should. But in doing this, we remember and proclaim the Gospel while also anticipating with longing His soon return for His church. Verse 26, For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till He come. Meaning, He will come. And when He does come, I want to be found faithful. I want to be found faithful to Him, to His cause, to His Word, and to His supper as we gather today. See, what we find here is not something that should make us depressed or grudgingly just so full of guilt that we're just like, oh gosh, I've got to take this so no one thinks ill of me. But rather, we find at the Lord's table is grace and joy. Christ has come and died and risen again and He's coming back. Is there anything more gracious or joyful than that? Amen. That, all right. Christ loved you and died for you and He's coming back for you. And when we partake of this, this is what we're identifying our life with. That Christ has done this. His blood is shed for me and never to be shed again. And He's coming back. He's coming back. It's not wasteful though, but what He says to us is important. He says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the blood and of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And that's a key phrase. Keep that in your mind for a moment. He says, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Y'all know what many sleep means? They're dead! It done died. Killed over. He doesn't say if it was in a church service or not, but they're no longer gathering because they died. It ain't been really, it seems like, since the early church that God was killing some folks over. But there were some folks over in the book of Acts who lied about what they had given, and one by one, they, husband and wife, they, they dropped dead different times. We got other folks dropping dead in the early church because they refused to get their hearts right with God. Boy, we need to see some folks alive for the Lord, but I would hate to see that the Lord kill somebody over to be an example for the rest of us. Get it right. Y'all remember that God is the same God in the New Testament as He is in the Old Testament. He ain't changed. Back in the Old Testament, I remember many a times reading this and as a kid in Sunday school, God opened up the earth and swallowed up thousands of people because they disobeyed. God struck them down and sent snakes and they bit them. What? All these different things and we go, what in the world? God's the same. 
And may we not be so foolish as to think that God cannot or should not correct or chasten us. If I've ever seen a nation that needs chastening and correcting, it's our own. If I've ever seen a world that needs chastening and correcting, it's our own. And we've made it such. Sadly though, sometimes we get to the place in our own hearts or in our own church that we let it get to the place where God's got to do some correcting us. And this opportunity now that God gives to us is by His grace to examine our hearts. First of all, if you truly know Christ or not. Have you been born again? Not have you joined a church? Have you been baptized? Have you repeated some prayer? Have you bowed your knee and trusted Jesus alone for your salvation? That's it. He also offers us the opportunity by His grace to confess sin. And there's not a one of us in this place today that does not have sin that needs confessing on the daily. But the Lord tells us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise the Lord. But then, gives us a third thing that is often not preached about in this passage. And this is what I want to focus on now. We often look at the Lord's Supper and we spend so much time that everybody's knees are shaking and hands are trembling when they're reaching for the cup and the cracker because they're wondering if God might just smack them dead. He might. But there's something very important besides just dealing with confessing your sin, but there is confessing a specific sin that Paul deals with in this passage that we look over. It is whether or not these people were being faithful church members. Now, I'm not talking about God smiting them over because they missed a church service because they were sick. I'm not talking about God smiting them down because they was a shut-in. talking about being a faithful member because if we understand that membership is not attendance and that the two are very different, we understand here what he's been talking about. Are you causing disunity? Are you causing distractions in the church? Are you causing division? Building your own kingdom or your own side, your own little groupies? If so, heaven help you. You better get that right right now. He's talking about are you coming together in unity? Or are you coming together and it's not even the Lord's Supper anymore because of how heathenish you're acting? He's talking about being in the body of Christ and gathering truly as the body's supposed to gather. When you say, I'm going to be a church member, and the church says, we say yes. That's a covenant. It's a promise. Not just the, I'm saying, you guys, I like what you're doing for right now, and I'm going to stay here till I get mad. But no. No, church membership is saying, I'm committing myself to you as the local body commits themselves to me, as we all commit ourselves unto the Lord. Though we must examine ourselves, we must examine this as well. Am I treating the bride and body of Christ as I should? I know I've got sin. I always have sin. We're always continuously repenting of sin. I ask the Lord for forgiveness and Him drawing us back by His goodness and grace. Praise the Lord for that, but we must ask ourselves a little bit deeper of a question today. Am I being what God required for the Lord's Supper? 
Am I being faithful to His Word and to His people, to the bride and body of Christ? May we now in this moment examine ourselves, but may we as well examine ourselves through the lens of the gospel of grace. And to know that God does not say, thou must be perfect to partake, but rather He says you simply must, by His grace and forgiveness, partake and remember what He's done. Remember that body and blood wasn't shed for perfect people, it was shed for sinners like you and me. And that same grace it took to save you is the same grace that keeps you saved. And it's the same grace that's going to lead you on home to heaven one day. So what do we find here at the Lord's Supper? Sometimes we find some guiltiness, but so that God might show us His grace. So as we examine our hearts today, I want you to examine something in light of it. And that is what we've sung about today. The wonderful, matchless grace of Jesus. This piano is going to play and we're going to have a time. You can stand, stretch your legs for a moment. and If you have a need, this altar is open. You can come and pray. Maybe examine our hearts today. Confess any sin that needs confessing. Get something right with a brother or sister if that needs done. But this altar will be open. And after this altar is open, then we'll partake in the Lord's Supper in just a moment. If you have a need, would you come? God, we thank you for this opportunity now to close this portion of our service and partake of the Lord's Supper. God, I pray that if there's any who have to go now, Lord, that you would be with them, keep them safe. Lord, but for the rest of us who are able to stay here, may we partake with the right heart and attitude and mind. May we do so together as we've discussed this morning from your word. God, that you would be glorified and honored. That the sacrifice of Jesus would be remembered and that we would long and look forward to his soon return. God, be with us now and fill us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If I could have my gentleman come up to, uh, to pass out the elements. The piano is going to play, and while this piano plays, the elements will be passed out. And let's prepare our hearts for this service.